Hello and welcome. Yeah. Off to a strong start this week. Hello and welcome to another Happy Hour podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Matthew Fox, and I'm joined today by Jason, one of our writers, who is here with me to talk about the final week of the NFL regular season. Usually this time of year, we're getting ready for a fun wild card weekend, but no, NFL 2021 keeps on rolling with one more week of regular season action. And then uh, if you've been following Jason on our site all year, he has been writing our kind of flyers column, uh, looking at some deep stashes. So as befits that, uh, instead of talking about start sits, because we're both praying that you do not have your fantasy fate resting on week 18 of the NFL season, we're going to talk about some deep dynasty stashes. But before we jump in, Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. It's actually, um, it's it's almost the the rest and rehab phase after the uh the climax of the fantasy se- fantasy season uh the denouement if you will um so it it feels a little weird for the first week after 17 straight weeks of uh focusing on on waivers stashes uh setting lineups um it's it's a nice rest, but it's. I'm actually really excited because now you start getting into the the dynasty off season, or I guess you would some say you know the second season. Draft prep, definitely. Yeah, you got to take stock, figure out which uh, which players are making the cut. They were uh, auditioning to stay on my 2022 roster down the stretch there, and some of them are going to be in there. Some of them we're intrigued by, and we're each going to give you. Five players um, that you you know may not be top of the box starters that you may want to hold on to this offseason based on their opportunity and what we saw in 2021. But before uh, we get into all that, uh, we are going to look at a couple of the highlight games uh, for week 18. In the past, the NFL has always put everything of the final week of the season on Sunday. Um, so that you have kind of all that drama. They are very specific about how they set games in what windows so that nobody's playoff fate is decided before their game is over, if that holds in the balance. And that's going to be true this year. But for the first time, they made a little bit of a change, and they have a doubleheader on Saturday. I was interested to see what kind of marquee matchups they're going to pick for Saturday. It turns out they decided not to have any uh, Saturday impact on really on the playoffs. So the early game is uh, the woeful Denver Broncos, uh, where we we may see something from Drew Locke going against Kansas City. If Kansas City wins, they keep hope alive for a number one seed, but that won't be decided till Sunday. But the game that I like the best on that Saturday slate is the evening game which even though both the Cowboys and the Eagles are in the playoffs, I think it could be a fun matchup. It's always a fun division rivalry game, and it'll be interesting to see Jalen Hurts playing against uh, another playoff competitor going in. It'll be interesting to see how the Cowboys start making some adjustments to get ready for the playoffs. Michael Gallup gone and out. So that's probably the highlight of Saturday. Uh, On Sunday, the early window games, uh, it's not a great 
early slate, uh, but probably the highlight game, Pittsburgh Steelers, 8-7-1 at the Baltimore Ravens, 8-8. Eight eight. It's unlikely either of them makes it into the playoffs, but whoever loses there is definitely out. Uh, whoever wins has to hope that the Jacksonville Jaguars are better than what we've seen all season, despite all evidence to the contrary, and that they can beat the Indianapolis Colts, which feels like the world's biggest long shot. Could be Ben Roethlisberger's last game. Uh Seems to be set up as his last game as a Steeler. Could be his last game in general. I'll ask you real quickly here, Jason. Do you think Ben plays again in 2022? I don't think he plays again. Uh, I feel like he's um, clearly uh, his his skills have started to significantly deteriorate, uh, knowing the the weapons he has offensively. Um, but also being limited a bit by the offensive line and the struggles there. Um, I would say if he's not playing for Pittsburgh, if Pittsburgh, you know, signals some early moves in the offseason in preparation for a change, I think he's done. It feels like he must have some kind of understanding that he's not going back to Pittsburgh for sure, because I doubt they would have talked about it being his last home game at Heinz field. And even though the rest of the team and the organization seemed to rally around that, I thought he looked like he had lost a bit at the end of last year. And I thought that was what handicapped them a little bit. He definitely looks like he's struggling more this year. And yeah, you know, he came into a marquee draft class where the big three were Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, and Roethlisberger, he's the only one still playing. Eli's been out for a couple of years now. Must might be his third year out. Rivers, you know, didn't look incredible last year and retired at the end of the season. So I don't think it'd be surprising. I personally think that he's done done. I, I don't know what other team is out there thinking he's the answer to them going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and there's – I've heard – um, and kind of listening to to Dynasty and and Superflex podcasts and and research, a, a lot of people are are getting into the discussions about you know how many bridge quarterbacks might be needed next year, and that the the rookie class coming in, there, there's not exactly you know three or four you know uh, although three or four talented quarterbacks, uh, not necessarily ones that you're looking to to thrust right on opening day, if you will. Yeah. So um, Pittsburgh, I think Pittsburgh may want to go get some kind of a, yeah. it's clear they, they look to see what they have in Mason Rudolph. I don't see that happening. They took a chance on Dwayne Haskins. That seems like that experiment kind of went by the wayside. It'll be exciting. I'm sure you'll be on when we go, um, you know, when we start doing mock drafts and talking about this class of 2022, there are a few options, but it seems like the general overall consensus is a lot of the value for quarterbacks would be taking them in the second and third round and seeing if you can develop them, which is almost the inverse of what we were last year. That combined with Pittsburgh being just good enough to be in the middle of the pack. Yeah. Probably means the salvation's not coming through the draft. Um, one name that's been bounced around, I'll get your thought on this really quick, is Jameis Winston. Uh, he had a pretty decent start to the season with, um, you know, with the Saints before he got injured. What do you think about that as a fit? I think Jameis is probably one of the best of the of the candidates 
where you're you're not locked into wanting him to be your long-term starter but if mm-hmm. you if you need to make something happen in the interim uh, before better options are available i think he's the best probably the best option um i mean it's it's really do you do you want somebody who who has a shot to ignite an offense or are you looking for somebody that's uh, going to reduce turnovers and sort of manage your team like if you're going to take a Jimmy Garoppolo um you know we'll see coming up one of my one of my stashes I think is is a worthy candidate as well and and I think yours is too for that matter and I think there's a lot to see in this offseason which teams decide that they're not ready to take that shot uh, at the moment and they're looking to maybe do more development and that's where we're going to see some of these Winstons uh, if Garoppolo is is officially gone from San Francisco um, and you know he might almost be I haven't heard a lot of connections to there but thinking about what uh, Pittsburgh has in terms of weapons and the kind of offense they can run he would almost be a perfect choice too for Mike Tomlin who the, the only the only thing I've ever given me pause about Jameis Winston is he was better about it this year, but I don't know if we saw enough of a sample to know for sure. He's not always been careful with the ball, and it struck me that Mike Tomlin prizes not turning over over you know, some of the flashy numbers. But no matter what, Pittsburgh has got to get a line, and there are going to be so many cor- – I, I feel like – for as many quarterback questions as there were going into last offseason, there's double this offseason. Yes. I think we got this uh, false sense of security with all of these top 10, top 15 drafted NFL quarterbacks. Uh, I know I, for one, was taking shots with with Fields and Lance, uh, especially in redraft leagues where I would pair them with, with another uh, – more traditional pocket passing quarterback with the hopes that they would, you know, pick up mid season and kind of take off. And, you know, we, we saw fields get into action early, uh, but he really seemed limited by what they wanted to actually do with him offensively, yeah. which was regrettable because uh, these type of talents, you kind of, want to let that talent play out and kind of scheme around that in my opinion, because that's the way they're, they're most effective. You're, you're not going to suddenly outside of your quote unquote generational talents, uh, which of course you, you can scheme anything apparently for Trevor Lawrence this year and be effective, but uh, a fields, a Lance, it seemed like they fit right in with, uh, systems that wanted to be uh, heavy run offenses and with the occasional play action. And so it, it seems <laughs> like they really, I mean, I, I said, I think I said handcuffed earlier, but you didn't see some of that flash from fields that we wanted to see uh, a lot of scrambling, a lot of rushing. And that's kind of what's what's made Jalen Hurts an outstanding fantasy quarterback. And and if you're you're of the mind that he's not a good NFL quarterback, I think you might want to reevaluate a little bit on what a team needs in order to win in the National Football League. Because I think he does a really good job. 
Yep. Well, it'll be interesting. We will have we will definitely be diving into a lot of these situations as we move through the off season. But looking back uh, to the schedule for this week uh, in the afternoon, uh, the later window, there are a lot more compelling matchups. A lot of matchups that mean something. Um, it's going on at the same time. Uh, the Saints are at the Falcons trying to get a win to get in, but the the probably marquee matchup for me is San Francisco 49ers at the Los Angeles Rams. The 49ers have beaten the Rams five straight times, including a 31 to 10 beatdown earlier this season. But the Rams have plenty to play for. They need a win to lock up the NFC West, can get the number two seed with that. The 49ers on the flip side are not yet guaranteed a playoff spot, which is what makes this kind of fascinating. If the Saints win and the 49ers lose, 49ers could be out of the playoffs. We also don't know. Jimmy G's caught back into limited practice. He's trying to give it a go. That thumb injury seems pretty serious. Trey Lance looked decent yesterday. But it's probably different playing the Rams than it is playing the Houston Texans. So a lot of intrigue in this game, a lot of pressure. I am going to definitely be watching that. And then every year, NBC manages to try to get the final game of the regular season to be one that has playoff implications. You're a win and you're in scenario. And they've got that this year. AFC West rivals, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders, both sitting at nine and seven. The winner is in, the loser is out. It's that simple. Down in Las Vegas on Sunday night to close the NFL season. What more could you want? Um, Raiders have been a real Cinderella story in some ways uh, with what Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro have done, keeping that team in this playoff race despite a myriad of offseason issues and tragedies and tumult. While the Chargers with Justin Herbert, he's looked good in his second year. Brandon Staley, first-year coach there, trying to get them some momentum and get them in the playoffs. Either of these teams could be a dangerous spoiler. It's hard for me because as a Broncos fan, I'm not exactly rooting for division rival, but I am picking the Raiders this week. How about you? Uh, This actually matters for our... Our picks, uh, you know, I've had a pretty decent season, but I have fallen behind. I'm three back of you this week. I, I, uh, it's been a grind. Um, it's it's been actually a, a great battle. Something to kind of look forward to each week. Have some fun. Um, this is uh, as much as every week. I, I felt like I was trying to just get one win back. I. Uh, I think week 18 is the week when you can make up lots of ground in this type of contest. So we'll see what happens. I think I already entered my picks. I couldn't tell you which ones I I have at the moment. But uh, in that game, uh, geez, as much as I genuinely don't like the Raiders, despite being in Las Vegas, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that and go with the Chargers there. <laughs> um, uh, funny as it is, I'm sure you've, you've heard such it. a toss up. I love Herbert, and I actually right. have tremendous admiration for Carr, especially for what he's done this season. But if in my heart, I don't know if I really want either team to win. Yeah, and uh, as it happens, um, and you've probably you've probably heard this, if Jacksonville figures out a way to beat the Colts. You you get the stalemate in the night game 
They're both in. both tie and both get in. I'm almost uh, would be interested to see the possibility of that happening and get a uh, a World Cup esque, you know, pass the ball around to each other and your own end, and then punt, and then <laughs> you know. I, I'm sure for rivalry purposes, one of them wants to win to get in anyway. Yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, I think there's there's too much pride on the line, and ego really is is what drives a lot of <laughs> a lot of decisions, especially in the NFL. So, moving from the week eighteen slate, um, so we'll see who ends up being in the playoffs next week. Uh, we'll be on here. It could be Ricky and I, it could be Jason and I, it could be John and I. You never know. We like to keep you guessing. Um, but we will we'll preview the wild card, and I will uh, have my wild card preview and picks every Friday throughout, or playoff preview and picks every Friday throughout the playoffs. Before we jump into our deep stashes, I was going to go ahead and give Ricky's bets for this week. He is out again this week dealing with some uh, family business, uh, but he did give us bets that he likes, so I'll read these off and then um, – you know, if you have thoughts, you can share those, Jason. But he, uh, the first game he's in, he's all in on the Saturday slate. He has uh, four different bets over those two games. First one he likes is the team total in the first quarter of Kansas City being over six and a half points against Denver. I have to tell you, that feels like a pretty good bet. And then he likes the team total in the first half for Kansas City being over 13 and a half points. So he's expecting at least a touchdown in the first quarter and at least a couple of touchdowns uh, in the first half. I think those feel like fairly safe bets. Uh, in the second game on Saturday slate, Dallas at Philadelphia, he likes the over on total points of 40 and a half for those two teams. And he also likes the uh, team total, the over uh, for Philadelphia of 16 and a half points. So he thinks it's going to be higher scoring and that Philly's going to do a decent job. On the Sunday slate, only two games that he highlighted the first. A real barn burner, the Tennessee Titans at the Houston Texans. He likes the Houston Texans team total for the first quarter, which is 0.5 points. So he thinks Houston is going to score in the first quarter. And then for the Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks, he likes Seattle plus nine and a half points. If we get the Seattle that we saw last week, I think uh, – that uh, it'll be hard for Arizona to win by 10 points. So those are some of the bets uh, that Ricky likes. I think he focused on some of the uh, some of the least playoff relevant uh, games, but some interesting ones where you could get some interesting performances. Yeah, I, I find it's always tricky that last week of the season if you have teams not in contention. Uh, the question uh, for me is which teams – have been out of contention the longest and had still been playing like they had something to show, had something to prove. A team like Houston, uh, in my opinion, they've been out of contention since week seven, week eight. In reality, week one. Yes, thank you. I was trying to be kind. Um, and they've been playing actually fairly inspired football given uh, what you see uh I guess name-wise in the stat sheet, 
uh, in particular, Davis Mills, pretty surprising. Um, and the, the consistency of Brandon Cooks year in and year out. So, uh, I mean, if you if you have a team like that uh, running into a team that's, you know, had the aspirations, you know, granted they, they stick to divisional matchups, but if you had them versus, say, a, a Seattle who's, who's out, but uh, definitely <laughs> had hopes to be a, a legit Super Bowl contender, that's a spot where you'd want to take the team that's clearly the worst team, but has something to play for. Yep. And I think the same has been true of Seattle. It seemed like they played really hard in what might be Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll's final home game last week. I think they're going to want to go out on a, on a high note. So that bet makes sense to me as well. Well, we're going to transition and look ahead a little bit to Dynasty Sashes in 2022. Jason and I each have five players we're going to highlight. It worked out perfectly. We each have a quarterback, a running back, two receivers, and a tight end. So I was going to go position by position and alternate. I will let you throw your quarterback out there first. Uh, sounds good. After our discussion of, of bridge quarterbacks, I, I really uh, – as a, as a great value, I think Gardner Minshew is worth a, a speculative ad, especially in, in Superflex. Um, he's he's shown time time and time again that he he has what it takes to lead a team to win in the NFL. And when you're looking in, in Superflex to to have options at at QB two or or even QB one, you're going to need guys that are actually starting. It's going to get that thin at many points during the season. And Minshew's, you know, he, he's not been a, a completely airtight, hand the ball off, you know, just throw on third down sort of quarterback. You're seeing a bit of, you know, drama and excitement <laughs> and somebody that you'd actually like to root for. So I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he finds a way to another organization again this offseason and I think the highlight is it's pretty pretty cheap for you to pick him up, and it's pretty cheap for other organizations in the NFL to pick up someone like him, and kind of free roll, you know, free roll his his talent, especially in given the the dearth of of quarterback needy teams. Yeah, my my quarterback's another guy uh, who's back right now. I went with Tyler Huntley. Um, he's a restricted free agent. So the thing that you're going to have to watch out for is if the Ravens decide that he's too valuable to let him go and manage to lock him down because he's not, in my opinion, he's not going to displace Lamar Jackson. <coughs> Jackson's the guy they've committed to there. But I like what we've seen. Uh, he started three games, may well start uh, on Sunday. I think they're they're still making that decision. But He's only one and two record-wise, but I don't think that's all on him. He's completed 67.5% of his passes, 940 yards, three TDs, two INTs. He's carried 35 times for 222 yards and two touchdowns. He's looked very good and very capable coming in and moving that offense. Gives you know He's a mobile quarterback. Um, he's, he fit right in. Uh, in some ways, he almost looked like he was running the passing portion in some of those games a little bit better than what we'd seen. So I think if he's somebody that makes it out into the market, there is going to be a team that wants to snap him up and see if they can make him a starter. The big question is whether the Ravens are going to let him go. So my running back that I have as a potential stash is Deonta Foreman. We 
we he's one of those guys uh you know early in his career uh rupture that achilles tendon didn't think he was ever really going to get back you know as a rookie he ran for 327 yards and a couple of touchdowns on 78 carries for houston then you know was out of the league entirely by 2019 had a real limited speculative role in 2020 2021 with derrick henry's injury uh they really needed him and he came in and i thought he stepped up and looked great he's carried 112 times 497 yards and three touchdowns 4.4 yards per carry um he's caught eight passes for 108 yards too seems like he can that's not been a big part of the houston or of the tennessee offense is throwing to the back so you don't really get a sense there but Given the state of running backs, if he comes available and Tennessee doesn't isn't able to retain him to be a guy behind uh, Derrick Henry, I think he's somebody that you could look at going and uh, having you know potentially having a chance to get more of a defined role and more of a uh, consistent role with another team. Yeah, I mean he he came through for a lot of teams in the playoffs this year, fantasy wise was uh, very strong, and I was somebody who was on Jeremy McNichols earlier in the season because he seemed like the pass-catching option that maybe he gets an uptick in actual rushing attempts, and maybe that works out. But uh, it's actually it. Um, I'm excited you put Deontay Foreman. I was I was really considering him and was thinking, you know, maybe maybe with this – you know how well he finished the season. It's really going to be hard to stash him, but uh, you definitely, I would certainly try to if you have that that possibility. Who is your running back you were looking at? Um, I have Khalil Herbert of the Chicago Bears. Uh, again, somebody who who uh, similarly uh, took an opportunity in the middle of the season and probably had very similar production lines. I think he had over 400, 400 and change rushing yards and about four games worth of the David Montgomery workload and also had around, I think, 14 or 15 receptions for 100 yards. So very similar production as Deontay Foreman in, a, in an offense that also likes to be uh, a run-heavy scheme. And uh, for me and a lot of my dynasty building, uh, I'm looking to kind of have a high power wide receiver core. And if possible, get, you know, not that I want to say a reliable running back from a health standpoint, but get somebody I'm proud of to put in as RB1 and then just have a glut of other running backs in a stable, just knowing how how fragile the position is and, and have the opportunity to rotate in and out. And I think Herbert is in a great position where you're, you're almost losing um, the idea of the handcuff now. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So we get more into committees and 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 losing the, the workhorse back. I think Herbert 
actually fits the true handcuff role. And Montgomery's value is starting to, to get towards its peak, in, in my opinion. I think he's close to maybe an, you know, the, the RB1s in dynasty value-wise, 12, 13, 14, something like that. And as his value goes up, Herbert's value realistically should also be increasing, in my opinion. I don't think Damian Williams is somebody that he has to fear, um, nor will he necessarily be on the roster beyond the season. So, Yeah, we don't know if we're ever going to see Tariq Cohen again. I mean, yes. what a quietly point. lost season. I think a couple of things that I thought about with the Bears, too. I like the Khalil Herbert stash. It's, they, you know, they're definitely going to be a scheme change. It seems news has broken that Nagy's been informed he won't return next year, um, surprising no one except for Matt Nagy. Uh, mm-hmm. But David Montgomery was a second-round pick. He is going to be entering his fourth year next year, which would, you know, I don't think it's a lock that they re-signed him because of what we saw with Khalil Herbert. You know, one of the advantages you have, especially Chicago potentially moving forward, they have a quarterback on a rookie contract. If they can uh, have some cheap but effective work in the backfield, they don't have a lot of money uh, so far invested in Darnell Mooney, who looks like he's really coming on, or Cole Komet, who's still on a rookie deal. Then go out and get a couple of marquee free agents, and they might be right back in in the competition there. So I wouldn't be surprised even if Khalil Herbert doesn't pay huge dividends in 2022, if he doesn't end up inheriting a starting job in 2023. Yeah. Excellent call. So uh, we each have two receivers. Why don't you give me your first receiver? All right. Uh, my first receiver is uh, LaVisca Chenault. Uh, I, I enjoyed our, our foreshadowing before the show about, differing opinions. Um, uh, unfortunately, the Jacksonville offense was was horrifying this season, and a lot of that kind of uh, was juxtaposed with how high everyone seemed to be on Chenault in the offseason leading up. And so it, it just seems like a, a good market opportunity to try and step in. Uh, I'm not suggesting he's going to be on your on your waiver wire or or – Although I've seen some people cut him free because we really haven't seen much from Jacksonville. So this is the time of year to watch people that had to make hard decisions who were still competing and needed a player to play set free some guys sometimes. Yeah. And, and not, not all dynasty leagues, you know, have, have the same size benches and rosters. You know, I'm in, my few leagues are pretty deep with, with 28, 28 roster total spots for only 10 starters. So there's a bit more room, but I, I've definitely, you know, know people playing in 20, 22 total roster spot leagues. And I think that's where you're definitely going to find him kicking around. Uh, I think keep trade cut right now. He's 142 overall uh, right around players like say, an injured Irv Smith Jr., a Chuba Hubbard, and I guess they they suggest a late 22 second round pick as similar value. Amazing how much it's fallen for a guy that some people thought was going to be a top 25 player this year. Yeah. And it it looked like you've pretty much seen the basement for poor, (laughs) poor offensive teams in what Jacksonville has done this year. 
So this is, it's definitely fits in as more of a flyer stash, but I think once you're, once you're looking at, you know, the 210, 211, 212 in a 2022 rookie pick, I don't think it's a terrible option trying to flip it for someone like him. Yeah. Yeah. Jacksonville, another team that's going to have a ton of questions. Trevor Lawrence has looked lost. They're definitely in for all new coaches. Three of their best offensive players, GJ Chark, Travis Etienne, and James Robinson, will all be coming off of major and horrific injuries. So, for that reason, a lot of speculation that it is not a highly desirable coaching slot. So, I'm going to be curious to see who they get. My first ride receiver is Braxton Berrios. We have seen him kind of hang around and have a role each of the last two years. In 2020, he saw 55 targets, caught quietly 37 balls for 394 yards and three touchdowns. He thought going into 2021 that they were kind of loading up on receivers, but here he is again at the end of the season, just out there making plays, had two touchdowns yesterday, seen 65 targets. He's caught 46 of them for 431 yards, a couple touchdowns. He's carried seven times for 40 yards and two touchdowns. I actually like like what he's doing and what I've seen from him. And I think there's definitely a possibility that they move on from Jamison Crowder. It seems like they're ready to release Denzel Mims. He seems to have no role. And I could yeah. see Braxton Berrios kind of slotting in there as the third guy with Corey Davis and Elijah Moore and fitting pretty well in that offense. So he's somebody that you may have picked up for the stretch drive that you might have been tempted to set free again. I would not. I would hang on to him. Another, my other wide receiver stash in this, uh, my last two are kind of more speculative based on where the situation is going, is Cyril Grayson. Uh, he's with Tampa Bay, did not play in college, was a track star, but we've seen Tom Brady be able to utilize that speed. There are still a lot of questions whether we're going to see 44-year-old Tom Brady next year. I'm leaning toward he comes back, um, but, you know, that's far from a guarantee What's also far from a guarantee is that anyone else is there. We've already seen Antonio Brown gone. I liked Tyler Johnson for the this potential last year, but it seems like Grayson has developed into the more reliable uh, option coming up. We've seen him come in and fill in, especially since Brown and Chris Godwin have been out. Godwin was on the franchise tag this year. There's no guarantee that they get him back uh, and manage to work out a long-term deal. So we know Mike Evans is there. There are some questions, but I like the potential of Grayson uh having a role moving forward. I've liked what we've seen and him being kind of a deep threat. I I think that's a excellent observation given that it's really a, a great situational play. Um I I'd like to think that they they work out maybe a pillow deal with Godwin given the injury, maybe like a some kind of a you know depending on his on his recovery, a one or two year where he, he has an opt out after one year or something like that. But so who is your other wide receiver? Uh, my final wide receiver is uh, rookie Nico Collins from the Texans. Um, as much as we're really excited about the Jacksonville offense, we are similarly excited about <laughs> the Houston Texans offense. Houston's actually got an offense, at least. Yes, they've actually managed to move the ball and score points, which is pretty 
pretty exciting. But uh, Collins, uh, a third rounder out of Michigan, uh, Michigan notably not the best at at profiling their wide receivers with a with a passing game. Um, I I just think from 6'4", 215 pounds, uh, you have somebody who has the build of being a, a premier a premier red zone threat. And he's really uh, traditionally the wide receivers uh, start off a bit slow in the NFL. We, we don't have the luxury every season of a Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, uh, just complete meltdown of opposing defenses. But Collins uh, didn't have uh, a lot to work against outside of Brandon Cooks. And he seems to have secured what looks like, you know, a 65% route run average when he's been healthy, which for, you know, a rookie third round pick is, is a pretty good workload coming right into the NFL. And I'd like to see where he can go with, with a bit of a QB upgrade in a full season under the belt. So, you know, this is, um, you know, I, I'm regularly on fantasy football roundtable, and so Dennis and Matt and I, on that show, have discussed a few times. I actually, if I'm the Texans, give Davis Mills a shot next year. How do you feel about Davis Mills? I, uh, I don't have any problem with them rolling Davis Mills out again, um, but that's uh, from a, a draft standpoint where. It's not like they they have a you know an incumbent pick that's you know a locked in <laughs> locked in quarterback you need to take a shot on where they'll be drafting from. Uh, so, and I certainly don't see them looking to spend money on a quarterback given the cost of quarterbacks. You know, it'd be curious if they if they even keep a Tyrod Taylor around just to have some competition to see how, how I could see them getting, I, I think they're over Taylor. Um, yeah. I think they made that kind of decision. I could see them going out They're picking up somebody on that, that secondary market. They will get some kind of a veteran, I think. And I think there's a possibility they take a second or a third round rookie um, again, you know, to, to develop. Right. And I just like what we've seen from Mills. And I think the Texans may be in a position to uh, – it's the same argument I'd almost make Detroit. I don't know if Jared Goff is anybody's idea of the man at quarterback, but he's been good enough with some of the other pieces they're building that gives them time to go and work on building inside out, building the line, building up some of the skill position players. Because right now my thought is if you took a – the Texans, I think, profile either the third or the fourth overall pick. You say you take a rookie quarterback there. What are they walking into? You know, you might be better served building it up a little bit. Yeah, and you're you're still going to have that early second, and there's going to be some options there. Um, would you would you uh, think it's a coin flip proposition that somebody currently in the Denver quarterback group? somehow finds their way to to Houston yeah that that would have been one of my first thoughts is you know if they, if they acquired somebody like a drew lock that might be a a place I I don't 
I wish I knew what Denver was going to do. I don't even think God knows what Denver's doing. But uh, we'll transition from one train wreck to another. Everyone's favorite fantasy position is tight end, which is just a wealth of solid options, uh, high production week to week. So who is the tight end that you were deep stashing? Uh, We're going to stick to the Houston Texans, and I'm going to take Brevin Jordan, uh, fifth-round rookie out of the U. Um, he's, he seems to have an uptick, uh, right from the middle of the season where he's, he's generated anywhere from 10 to 15% of the target share from the tight end position. And for a rookie, as I had mentioned, uh, the wide receiver aging curve was, was typically a bit slower than say at the running back position, the tight end is even more so. Uh, we don't have that that luxury uh, this year. We saw Kyle Pitts, and uh, as dominant as he was at just getting so much volume uh, on a team that was not uh, wildly successful offensively, it was interesting to see, uh, uh, and especially a, a later drafted tight end come in and, and take meaningful work in the offense. Uh, and at the tight end position, I think uh, the draft capital matters a bit less when we're looking at players like, say, a, a Robert Tanyan emerging out of nowhere or a Logan Thomas or a Darren Waller. You have opportunities for players to uh, exist beyond the perception of, of their draft stock. Which uh, leads me to my tight end. Uh, this is definitely a uh, definitely a speculative one. I'm going with Hunter Long. Uh, he was taken in the third round uh, out of Boston College uh, by the Miami Dolphins, and he has had an amazing rookie season where he saw three total targets catching one pass for eight yards. Now, maybe he's poised uh, to break out here in week 18, and I just wasn't ready for it. But you may uh, be thinking to yourself, I believe Mike Gusecki exists, and he is definitely one of those tight ends that you lock around the top 12, and that is the case for now. Uh, Gusecki is becoming a free agent at the end of the year, and it seems like all signs point to the Dolphins having little intention of retaining him. Um, which is a lot of the reason why they've collected a few other tight ends the last few years. They notably traded for Adam Shaheen in 2020, and then they went, and you don't spend a third-round pick on a tight end that you never intend to play. Um, So while he hasn't been a big part of what they've done this year, I felt like that was a move looking ahead, and I still think it is. And that might be an opportunity. He wasn't a guy that always went in rookie drafts because there wasn't a clear path to touches. So he's probably hanging out there. He would also have been the kind of late-round rookie pick that would have been one of the first guys dropped when you had injuries and COVID and everything else. So you can probably find him out there. It's a completely speculative ad at this point in time, but sometimes you're just looking to stash the right person that you luck into a big opportunity. And I think there's a very good possibility Kaseki is gone after Sunday, goes somewhere else, and then we start seeing the Hunter Long show. So that's why he is my speculative ad at tight end. I, I think that's a, excellent rationale for for finding that last roster spot 
Um, I mean, for the most part, you, you want to have the upside there. It's costing you nothing to fill that last roster spot, essentially. So you might as well shoot the moon. Yep. All right. Well, before we uh, we head out, this is the uh, the end of our football content. But as we do, we're going to go to movie corner. And uh, as we just wrapped up 2021, it's a good time to look back at uh, the movies we enjoyed from that year. I know that you guys may have seen Ricky published his uh, his list of his favorite movies of the year. Uh, you can find that over on the site. He's been going over his favorite performances, some of his favorites by genre. I will have my binge watch column that will have my top 25 and bottom five films of the year that I saw for 2021. It's going to release on Thursday. Uh, but I thought maybe quickly here, we could each share two or three of the movies that we liked most in 2021. Jason. So I will turn it over to you first. Um, well, uh, I'm not a uh, nearly the film buff in recent years after having uh, several children uh, under the age of three. So uh, my opportunities are, are somewhat limited, but I have recently been able to watch some releases from 2021. Um, probably my most anticipated uh, was Matrix Resurrections. And uh, I enjoyed the film. Uh, I can see where a lot of people were irked a bit by um, sort of how they, I don't want to get into spoilers, um, but the way they, I guess. It was very meta. Yeah, almost that, in a way you would have considered it maybe a, a gimmicky, gimmicky, uh, uh, gimmicky method for, for starting it. But I, I really sort of enjoyed uh, how they did that and knowing some of the backstory of the uh, the Wachowskis and what they've gone through uh, personally and, and culturally and uh, the fact that really I believe it was uh, was it Lana was it the only one that did this this film and there's definitely a scene in the movie uh, where it felt like they were just having uh portraying the discussion between her and Lily about making this film, but they were using characters in the movie. And so that was, that was fairly entertaining uh, as an individual scene, but I also enjoy how they, uh, I guess a lot of people would, would say it became a bit more woke uh, where they started to, to grab more onto uh, Trinity as a, an important and relevant character and not just a romantic interest. So. Yeah, I, I saw that one. I, I enjoyed it. I actually think it's the best of the sequels. I, it didn't surpass the original matrix for me, but uh, I was not one who loved reloaded or revolutions. So resurrections was a little bit better. I enjoyed the humor. I thought the addition of Neil Patrick Harris and Jonathan Groff were. Yes. Top they shelf. were, uh, they seemed uh, adept at the roles that they were, they were cast for. So <laughs> definitely excellent, excellent call. Um, and the other film I recently saw was Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, 
another film that was fantastic to see uh, basically a, a, com a completely, uh, I would say, Chinese or Asian cast. And uh, actually, I love the combination of the martial arts um, and toning down on some of the Marvel uh, supercharged-ness that you see in traditional comic book movies. So it, it felt like they, they wove it together uh, delicately, but uh, very meticulously. And it, it worked well, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's actually one that ended up in my top 10 of the year as well. So uh, I thought that was one of the most surprising of the Marvel releases this year. I didn't really know what to expect. I was like, what is this movie? Weird title. And it was just a total kick in the pants. I enjoyed every minute of it. I liked the cast. I liked the humor. I thought they did a great job. Uh, like I said, my full list uh, of 25 uh, and my bottom five, which is even more important, you know, in case you're looking for a good train wreck, uh, will be out on Thursday. Last week, I touched on a couple that I had in my top five. Uh, John and I talked about Spider-Man No Way Home, and I mentioned Sing 2. Um, those were my four and five. But I'm going to just give my top three uh, real quick. And they, these were my top three for the year. Um, I ended up 510 first-time film watches in 2021. Ricky and I were both right around the same area. And his number one is one of the ones that's in uh, my top three, which I'll mention. But number three for me was uh, Belfast directed by Kenneth Branagh, very personal tale, black and white, uh, takes place in Belfast in the late 60s. You're watching kind of a family go through the, the turmoil and turbulent times there. I loved Jamie Dornan and Katrina Balfe uh, in that movie. Um, Judy Dench was incredible, very emotional movie. You can catch that. It's still playing some limited in theaters, but it is available on VOD um, now. It has come out there. It's one, the one wonderful change that we've made in the time of COVID is that things drop on VOD so much more quickly now. Um, so those that don't feel comfortable, don't have access to see them in theaters can bounce out. My number two was a movie called Mass. That was actually Ricky's favorite movie of the year. Both of us are really hoping it does well uh, in some of the awards competition. It is about uh, two sets of parents who meet in a, uh, in a local church for a conversation and a discussion. Their kids were both involved in a school shooting 10 years prior. One of their children was a victim. One of their children was the shooter. It is a very timely story. It is very emotional, very, very heavy, but just beautifully crafted, uh, written, directed, and acted. Uh, Martha Plumpton and Jason Isaacs, uh, two of the standouts there, but Reed Bernie and Ann Dowd fill out the, the four and are just incredible incredible um it's been ricky's favorite movie of the year since he saw it um i think way back at sundance in 2021 uh, i saw it over the summer uh, and it has just continued to stick with me it is finally available on vod it got the worst marketing campaign in the history of time i don't think people even realized it released in theaters uh, but it's now out on vod go out and make sure you see that and then my number one it's been my number one since the summer is coda uh, an Apple TV films original. Uh, it's about a girl who was born to a family uh, that's deaf. That's actually what CODA means, child of deaf adults. Um, and she has a passion for singing. Uh, and it's just a beautiful story of her trying to find her way um, apart from her family and 
trying to, you know, you think about like, how do you explain a sunset to a blind person? How do you explain music to somebody who can't hear? Um, and that's a lot of what this film touches on. It's a beautiful movie. I watched it again, actually, last week with my wife, um, and she really enjoyed it as well. But that's been number one for me. If you have Apple TV+, Plus, no excuses. Just go out there and hit that one up. Gotcha. I'll have to refer that to my uh, my wife, who, who teaches uh, basically a... <laughs> I guess it would be a used to be film productions course in, in high school, but they combined it also with film studies. So this is the first year she's started to uh, have to put together a, an ensemble of, of films, and, and she's actively chosen to to investigate as much of a diverse nature of films from cinematography from director from actors and so we've really had a fun time going through and trying to find some some excellent films and maybe i could run a couple by you that she's going to mm. uh aims to show in the next uh semester will be um the farewell mm. i don't know if you're familiar with that mm. um, and, that was a great one from a couple of years ago and then uh i guess this is a and again, I'm speaking to you know a film critic. I'm I'm assuming has seen these movies, and these are are movies I'd never heard of. Uh, Sella in the Spades, which I believe yeah, that's is an Amazon movie. one. Gotcha. So uh, I haven't seen them, but I, I've heard some pretty wonderful things. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had any specific opinions on those at all. I. I loved uh, the farewell when it came out. That was a, a great one for Aquafina. Right, uh, and that was the transition from Shang Chi. Yep, figuring out who Aquafina was, which is she's very entertaining. Yeah, very different um, dramatic role uh, for her, but she was great in that. Uh, you know, that is a movie that was criminally underrated when it when it came out. So, be a good one to check out, but. So those are some uh, some movie corner recommendations from 2021. 2022, getting off to a slow start, but if Ricky is back next week, we will definitely be talking about Scream. Uh, I know both of us are excited to see that as it drops. Ricky saw the 355, which is a new <coughs> um, action movie starring Jessica Chastain that opens uh, today. Uh, he has a review up uh, on the site already, so you can go and check that out. Otherwise... Enjoy week 18. Uh, Hopefully you don't have any fantasy fates riding on it other than uh, you're wading into DFS and uh, making a few bets. But uh, best of luck to everyone, and we can't wait to see who our final 14 in the playoffs are. Until then, see you next week. Take care.